It is observed that in most organizations, cyber threats are increasing faster than the ability to implement security improvements. Even organizations employing good cyber practices are being penetrated. So in an environment where you can be under cyber attack and not even know, what can you do? I am Geeta Nandikotkur, Managing Editor, Asia and Middle East with Information Security Media Group. I have Ken Allen, Global Cyber Security Leader at Ernst & Young, who believes that to get ahead of cybercrime, you need to focus on a three-stage strategy, which is activate, adapt and anticipate. Allen is the keynote speaker at RSA Conference Asia-Pacific and Japan, held between 22nd to 24th July in Singapore to offer insights on getting ahead of cybercrime. Welcome and thanks for joining the discussion, Alan. My pleasure. Uh, you have been speaking about or emphasizing the fact that cybercrime is a business and it's an industry. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, when I say it's an industry, what I mean is that it has all the components you would expect of a legitimate industry, uh, but for uh, non-legitimate purposes. So it has recruitment, it has development, it has a supply chain. So the the, the organised crime syndicates are um, are getting themselves into a position where they're hiring really good people, they're writing software, they're establishing their entire infrastructure uh, that they're using to launch attacks. And, and, and all of that has to be treated like an industry. If we treat it like petty crime, then we will completely underestimate the damage that can be caused. So when I use the term, it's an industry, it's to encourage people to think about how you would tackle an industry with such um, depth and capability. You also mentioned that the organization can be under cyber attack and they would not know about it. What are the early warning signals? Well, unfortunately, um, the sophistication of the attacks is um, so advanced that um, unless the attacker is seeking publicity, those attacks are disguised. And there are uh, there are signatures, there are there are behaviours, there, there are ways, in other words, of, of discovering the attacks. And one of the, the, the aspects of that that we need to consider is we used to look for malware by creating the signature of something that we knew was bad. And then we can compare other things to that. So if we see something that looks like that, we know it's bad. With with advanced persistent attacks, we don't have that luxury. So what we have to do is switch to what we would call a behavioral model. So we look for behaviors, we look for anomalies in, in normal behavior, and we look for correlations between seemingly unconnected events. So in order to do that, you have to collect data from all the normal sources, all the normal alarms, firewalls, the detection systems, um, and, and, and all of that technical capability. But you have to collect data as well from uh, social media. You have to have people who are specialised in looking at conversations in the dark web. You have to put all of that data together and then you have to analyse it to look for those anomalies. And those anomalies then can suggest an attack is either being planned or in progress and then you can you, you can hopefully do something about that. So it's completely shifted away from uh, an automated capability to a big data capability with um, very highly trained analysts looking at that data. So as an analyst, so which are the focus areas of research that is being done from a cybersecurity standpoint? Well, I think it's fair to say that, um, as we've seen from the conference and the, the, the attendees here, the research that's going into cybersecurity is unprecedented. Um, universities are involved, um, large corporation and corporations are involved, governments are involved. There is a lot of resource and spending going into cybersecurity research and development. My argument would be that uh, we shouldn't stop doing that. We have to do that, but somehow we have to connect it together better. We have to connect it together in a way that we can um, yield greater benefit from the amount of effort and the amount of research that's been put in place. 
So where do you see the bottlenecks from uh, Asia-Pacific region uh, as far as uh, the CISOs of this region is concerned? I don't think there are any bottlenecks that, would, that I would associate with this region in particular. Um, we know that cybercrime is pervasive. It's it's a cross-border issue. Um, I think the way I would reflect it would be more about um, those territories that are seeking to enable through technology are the ones who have to deal with the cyber security issue earlier. So as an example, um, Asia is very focused on smart cities, and rightly so because smart cities uh, operate more effectively and more efficiently. Therefore, people want to live there, therefore you create wealth from that. But if you go down that path of enabling those smart cities without considering how to protect them and how to protect all of that data that's enabling the smart city, then the whole experiment can come to a very, very swift close. And you also emphasized on the roadblocks for the CISO, for the practitioners. It could be due to agility and lack of skills. So are they really real? Are they real or are they superficial? Are they that's a very good question. So I think the roadblocks are real. I think where I would um, raise a concern, however, is, um, and I'll use the uh, the lack of, of uh, trained resources as an example. Like any organization, um, we uncover issues and risks and business issues to be dealt with. We don't just say, well, there's an issue and we can't deal with it and then turn our backs. So if we do have a skills shortage, it's not a question of saying, well, we've got a skills shortage, so that's it, end of story. <laughs> we have to then go and tackle the skills shortage. We have to train people. We have to make sure we've got people going through appropriate qualifications in universities. We have to cross-train other people. We have to bring people into the workforce who we'd not normally consider to be the kind of people who would go into that industry because diversity is a big issue here. And the reason I say that is that if you are looking for anomalies in behavior by studying data, you can't use the same type of thinking. You have to have people who look at those problems from different dimensions, either culturally or, you know, through education backgrounds. Um, you know, there, there are um, many of the uh, government uh, um, listening agencies uh, throughout the world actually use people who have some level of autism because um, the, the, one, of the, one of the great advantages that that creates is that people with autism look at a problem from a completely different perspective. And in cybersecurity, it's important to be able to do that. I would accept the challenge that um, commercial enterprises are, are, are maybe not as advanced in that thinking, um, but there is a lesson there from government uh, that I think many organisations should be should be taking up, or at the very least examining the existing current processes and challenging whether those processes are fit for purpose in a modern digital and cyber world. You also stated one of the facts that most advanced companies, advanced enterprises, organizations are, they plan for security, they preempt. So what about the others? Why are they not able to do that? I think there's a degree of skepticism still exists in some organizations around the scale of the threat. And I think that, unfortunately, the likelihood of one of those organizations being the next headline is increased. And so uh, I, I use the, the, the comparison, which may or may not be true, but I think it's still a, a valid um, uh, assertion that two organizations in the same type of business, company A and company B, both suffer a major cyber attack. They're both breached. Organization A has planned for the breach and organization B has not. All other things being equal, organization A will handle the press well, will handle the regulators well, will handle their clients well, will have all of the procedures paired and ready to go into action to contain the threat and to minimize the damage. Organization B will of course react, but it will be reacting on the basis of trying to figure out what to do 
while the crisis is in progress. Now, it's, it's maybe a bit of a stretch, but my submission would be that the market view of Organisation A is going to cause their stock price at least to stay the same, if not go up. And Organisation B is likely to go down. So you can relate preparation to the value the market places on the organisation. So you, what about the spending? Do you think enough spending on security will help the organisations to secure themselves? I think the spending problem is, um, is, is complicated by the fact that uh, organisations are spending on security. I think that what they have to do is challenge themselves on whether they're spending on the right things. Uh, so no organisation has a limitless budget. Uh, you know, priorities have to be set um, and, you know, budgets have to be set. But my experience in talking to CFOs is that they actually do want to spend more on this subject. They're just not getting um, the, the holistic business level advice they need to know they're spending on the right things. You spoke about three A's, activate, adapt, anticipate. So does it set the context for cybersecurity ecosystem? I think the, the, the idea of the, the activate, adapt and anticipate is to suggest that there are different levels of maturity and only those organisations who have got themselves into a state of anticipating are training themselves to be able to deal with the breaches and deal with the, the, the issues that emerge. Um, that doesn't necessarily have to relate to spending. Um, it's likely that those organisations will have spent more, but not exponentially more. Those are organisations who have prioritised cybersecurity, have treated it as a business issue not a technology issue, and have tied their entire cybersecurity posture and maturity to be fit for purpose for that type of business. So what are the two or three best practices you can suggest to stay ahead of cybercrime? Um, well, first of all, um, most leading organizations have recognized that they have to build a capability to analyze all of the data, and we call that SOC, or Security Operations Center. Um, that's not the same as a network operations centre or a systems operations centre. That's a, a, a body of technology, process and people that are focused on looking for those behavioural anomalies that I mentioned earlier. And that would be leading practice. And so organisations that are considering the use of a SOC really need to think about accelerating that plan. Organisations that built a SOC two or three years ago should probably now be challenging whether it's fit for purpose for the threats we see today. And organisations that don't have a SOC need to to consider what alternative mitigating controls they have in place in order to manage a breach when it inevitably arises. I think the other thing is that, as I mentioned in my talk earlier, um, those organisations who anticipate breaches, so, so they expect the breach, they don't necessarily welcome it, but they're very confident that when they see the breach, they detect it, they contain it, they're able to deal with it. That takes a degree of training, that takes a degree of management attention and prioritisation, and again, that's a leading practice where an organisation is ready for the breach and knows it's properly trained for it. And lastly, I guess I would argue that, um, again, on the theme of business versus technology, um, leading organisations um, are discussing how they deal with cybersecurity in the boardroom. The followers are those organisations where the boardroom delegates that authority into CIO organisation. And because it's about the business and not technology, that's not uh, an approach that is likely to be successful in the long run. Thanks, Ken. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to Ken Allen on how to get ahead of cybercrime. This is Geeta Nandikotkur from ISMG.